running gold thing. San Diego Padres, I'm running gold thing. I'm running gold thing. It's never the same. Dominic and James Paz games always the same. This ain't your grandpappy's team. They changing the game. Seventh inning start the rally. They changing the game. Fernando, Tatis, going yard, hitting seats. Maya's in Machado, snatching victory from defeat. Hosman says we're nasty, now the world about to see. They call it Slam Diego, now the world about to see. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking stars. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking a brown and gold thing. 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 San Diego Padres. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. This is episode number 154. Mr. Dominic Stern is here from Arizona. What's going on, Dom? How you doing, man? Yeah, you know, I'm doing great. We're recording this on Monday, March 21st. Uh, it's the Padres' fourth spring training game that we watched today. And it was the first one that I was really able to sit down and watch. Uh, as the listeners have found out, I'm a pretty avid college basketball fan, and that's taken up a lot of my attention as of late, especially this weekend, given March Madness. But I was able to watch the Padres game today. It was thoroughly entertaining. It was a lot of fun to listen to Don Orsillo and Mark Mudcat Grant on the call. Uh, it was a lot of storylines to go along with that game, including the debut of a brand new Padre. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of news going on, uh, current news for sure, with this team uh, as A.J. Preller and his staff kind of restructure the team and try to fix the holes, if you will. But um, let's let's move back in time and let's first talk about the Fernando Tass- Tatis Jr. injury. Um, he arrived in spring training in Arizona with a broken wrist uh, from a motorcycle accident in December. Padres Nation uh, is pretty much up in arms. Uh, I've seen a lot of different opinions. Um, what what was your immediate thoughts, Dominic, when you when you heard about this? Was it just like, oh my god, here we go, San Diego Sports again? Yeah, I mean that that was the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, yeah, we just can't get anything nice and. It was frustrating because I, of course, came on this podcast when Fernando Tatis Jr. signed the extension last year and said, I would have waited, make sure he can stay healthy for a full 162-game season. In 2018, Fernando Tatis Jr. was hurt. In 2019, he was hurt multiple times. 2020, he stayed healthy in the 60-game season. And then last year, he got hurt multiple times, of course, due to a really rough shoulder injury, which, of course, we found out after he signed this extension that has been lingering with him since 2016. So to hear that he hurt himself, uh, you know, the the details are still kind of up in the air, although it's very, very well assumed that this injury happened when he, of course, fell off the motorcycle in the Dominican Republic. And when he was asked by a reporter, did this happen when you fell off the motorcycle this offseason? He said, which time, which is just an awful answer. And I don't know how the PR people didn't like tell him to not say that. It's incredibly frustrating because Fernando Tatis Jr. is the face of the Padres. He's one of the faces of baseball. And he's a big part of why the Padres are in this position right now to where they can be competing for a championship. And 
without him, I still think this is a good team, but it is nowhere near as close to its ceiling without him. So it was very frustrating because the Padres have made several accommodations for Fernando Tatis Jr. over the course of his just three years uh, as a Padre. And it's really frustrating to see him making some pretty irresponsible decisions well, do you think do you think this is a lot of this has to do with bad timing? I mean, if we weren't in a lockout and this injury happened in December, uh, there would have been better communications between the two sides. The Padres would have insisted that a do- he go see a doctor uh, and got this checked out, or they would have gone there directly and seen him and made sure that he was all right. And that never happened. Uh, he is an athletic individual. He's a, he's a strong young man. He, he, he was seen on Instagram and, and, and on social media playing ball, swinging the bat, still doing things, hiking. And everyone kind of assumed that it was just uh, maybe a scrape or just a minor thing. I, I, I don't know. Timing has a lot to do. It's, it's, it's definitely frustrating that someone who you're given Three or forty million dollars. No, I mean it. It's extremely irresponsible of him. And the whole ordeal that you were pointing at was that he couldn't communicate with the team doctors due to the lockout. But the team doctors—they aren't independent doctors with the Padres. They're also doctors from UCSD. So Fernando Tatis Jr. can still be in communication with the doctors and not be violating the the lockout rules. So to me, it was just him. Not not taking proper care of himself and not realizing, hey, like I need to make sure that I'm good to go for the season, even if you just think it's precautionary to get it looked at. Yeah. And even if this lockout prevented him from seeing the Padres team doctors, he still should have gone and seen other doctors. There are hundreds of thousands of other doctors in this world. So I, I don't buy that excuse. It's a horrible excuse in my eyes. It's really frustrating. Fortunately, the Padres have other options who are going to be ready uh, at shortstop. They signed Hassan Kim to a very big deal last offseason. CJ Abrams is trying to break camp uh, as a shortstop. He's the Padres' top prospect, the second prospect uh, in terms of shortstops in all of Major League Baseball, depending on where you look. It, it it's, it's frustrating because the Padres made so many accommodations for him, signing him to that big deal to make sure he's a Padre for life. And to see him not making that accommodation back to the Padres is really irresponsible. And well, you know, uh, the Padres can void the contract. I'm sure there's a, a clause in there yeah. about. <laughs> they said they're not going to, but that would that would that would be really frustrating to see as well. There, there's no way they can. Do right, that. they're not going to because they'd have to prove that he did fracture his wrist on that motorcycle accident. I mean, that would just make the situation really complicated and really yeah. And then to make to make matters worse, or I mean, it depends how much time and merit you want to put into this. Fernando Tatis Jr. deleted every single Instagram post he had of him on the Padres. And I mean, just in general, and it's just one photo of him, like as a very young child, uh, a post that he made in 2016. So Is it, that's still there. That's still he, he just scrubbed his whole account, huh? Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't really care because like whatever. I mean, it's his Instagram. If he wants to do that stuff, he can. He could. It could just be him searching for attention. Yeah, it's just still that one post. But uh, it, it's like, dude, you have been giving $340 million. Act like someone who has been given $340 million. Because 
the player Fernando Tatis Jr. is awesome. And I'm not trying to bag on the person Fernando Tatis Jr., but at some point he's got to act like the person that has been given $340 million. Yeah. I mean, you have to question some maturity things and wonder if this is a wake up call. And, and I, you know, what is he capable of putting up offensively in 150 games? And unfortunately we're going to have to wait till 2023 to, to, to see that hopefully. And, it's a shame because you, you don't want to label someone as injury prone, especially this early in their career, but there are definitely injury concerns. And and, and there's plenty of merit to calling Fernando Tatis Jr. injury prone at this point. Yeah. And, and that's that's a sad thing. So Dodgers seem to be restocking themselves uh, fine up in L.A. as they signed uh, Freddie Freeman to a six year, one hundred and sixty two million dollar uh, contract worth the what that uh, 27 per year. Um, the Padres were rumored to be in the sweepstakes. Uh, we'll never exactly know how far they uh, were going to be willing to invest in, in Freddie Freeman, but I, I, I six years for someone at the age of 32 is really risky. And I, I'm, I'm, I like Freddie Freeman as a ball player. He, he would fit very nicely in, in the Padres lineup, but um, it, that's just not a, a wise investment. No, it wasn't. The Padres are attached to much money at first base. So it, it, it made sense to let him go. I think the Padres, you know, having rumored to be interested in him was partially to try and jack up the price. And I don't want to say it works, but, it's an expensive contract for a 33-year-old first baseman. Obviously, makes the Dodgers significantly better. But, you know, this is a type of signing that we haven't really seen the Dodgers make. They hadn't been making as many of these types of moves yeah. until the Padres started to get really competitive in the division. And then the Giants as well uh, with their resurgence last year. So the Dodgers can sense the pressure that's on them from the Padres, from the Giants, from some other NL contenders. and if they felt the need to sign one of the best players in all of baseball to a very expensive deal, but they know the fact that he's 33 and that's a signing that they typically don't make. I mean, I think that they're sensing the pressure from the interdivision opponents and we'll, we'll see how much longer Freddie Freeman can play at the caliber of baseball that he has been because no one's going to deny the talent that he has. He's the best first baseman in all of baseball. He basically bookmarked his trip to, uh, to Cooperstown by winning the 2021 world series with the Atlanta Braves, but giving a 33 year old first baseman that much money is certainly risky. Yeah, it definitely is risky. And uh, like you say, we'll never know exactly how, how, how this whole thing played out with the Padres and Freeman. Uh, I'm sure Hosmer and and the potential of dealing him had a lot to do with whether or not they could invest in him. Um, Let's move on and talk about the Philadelphia Phillies who seem to have cornered the market on the DH position uh, as they, have signed Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber to long-term deals. Uh, strange moves in, in my eyes. Uh, one would be fantastic, but you, one of the two is going to have to play the the field at some point, and there neither is considered a offensive force or, or a defensive force. Yeah, no, both both guys are considered offensive forces, and to me, I think these signings one would be good, but like you mentioned, two, it's kind of intriguing. Because one of them is going to play the DH. They also have Reese Hoskins, who can play some DH, play some first base. Not a great defensive first baseman. So 
they have a lot of big burly guys who are going to have to be playing the field. This team might be the worst defensive team in major league baseball in major league baseball history too, but they're going to hit the ball around the ball yard. They've got a couple of good starters and they've invested, you know, a significant amount of money in into their bullpen uh, over the last couple off seasons. So I, I think the Phillies could absolutely be a player for, uh, for the playoffs, especially with that extra team. There's going to be six national league teams in the postseason, uh, given the new CBA agreement. So I, I think that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow. And unfortunately these moves hurt the Potters because these are two guys, the Potters were certainly in on and the Potters are still going to have to try and figure out who's going to be the starting left fielder because Trent Grisham is probably going to be starting in center. Will Myers probably going to be starting in right. Is Profar going to be the left fielder? Is Nomar Mazara going to make the opening day roster? Is CJ Abrams going to make the opening day roster? And they push him out in the outfield. We don't really know. And well, the Bob Phillies, mentioned today that he wasn't going to put Abrams uh, yeah. in the outfield. So that seems like Abrams is, is crossed off that list as far as potential uh, opening day left fielders. You'd have to think that the starting left fielder isn't currently on the roster right now. Jerkson Profar probably can't be the starting left fielder, shouldn't be the starting left fielder. Uh, I don't know what other options that they, they can do if they, if they want to stick. Uh, I, I really don't know. Uh, Tommy Pham is an option, still a free agent. I, I don't know if they want to go that route. They can get him on a very inexpensive deal for sure. Uh, if they're willing to invest money, um, Conforto's out there, and that's probably the big marquee free agent uh, outfielder that's still left. You know, we're talking about someone with 2,500 uh, career at-bats and 824 OPS and a 124 OPS+. plus. He's still 29. Uh, I don't know, though. He's coming off a bad year last year. His, his OPS was 729 in, in 2021. How much is, is, a, is a Michael Conforto worth on the open market? And, and do you think the Padres would open the pocketbooks for him? Well, the question is, can they open the pocketbooks for him? Because I think Sadler is definitely willing to, but yeah. the, the Padres are right on that mark of the CBT luxury tax threshold. They went over it last year. And going over it for the second and then third year is where you start to see significant punishments. So I, I think that's the question because Conforto, multiple-time All-Star, uh, he's played in a World Series before, played in some other playoff games. I, I'm a big believer in Michael Conforto. And last year, you know, you mentioned it was a down year, and it absolutely was. But the uh, the underlying metrics suggest that he got pretty unlucky. The difference between his yeah. ex-WOBA and his WOBA uh, were, were pretty significant and one that you normally don't see and would point towards a bounce back year. So I think the Potters could probably sign him on a one year, like 15 to $20 million deal that maybe doesn't break the bank, make a lot of it a signing bonus that doesn't go that, uh, that doesn't go towards the, the tax threshold as much. But uh, he, he's certainly going to be getting similar offers from other teams. The Potters, of course, have the advantage of the fact that they have that reputation of being a contending team at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy Pham signs a deal in the coming days with the Padres for five or so million dollars uh, just on a one year to try and get him back in. Uh, hopefully he's fully healthy after the, uh, the incident at Pacers nightclub uh, last offseason get a full off season to, you know, really get back to being the baseball player that he was in St. Louis and in Tampa Bay. And 
in the middle of the year last year, Tommy Pham really settled in and was a big part of the reason the Padres were surging. And then everything fell apart, as we all know, in August. So I, I think Tommy Pham is probably the option that I would lean towards. But signing Michael Conforto, I think, would be a good deal as long as it's one year and see if you can get the best out of him. Yeah, we'll have to see which way uh, A.J. Preller and his staff uh, rolls with that. Uh, at this point, uh, the team acquired uh, Luke Voigt this week uh, for minor league pitcher Justin Lang uh, to the New York Yankees. Uh, Voigt is an interesting player. You know, not considered a young player by any means. He's 31, uh, but does own a career 867 OPS, uh, 132 OPS+. plus isn't a free agent until 2025. So the Padres have some control over him uh, in potentially his uh, uh, years where he produces, I guess you could say. Uh, give me your thoughts on Voight. Uh, I know he's not, it uh, doesn't come with a big reputation with the glove. Uh, he's power hitter, perfect DH type, kind of a, a Framiel Reyes kind, if you will. Uh, g- give me your, your thoughts on, on the power hitting uh, Voight. Yeah, I, I thought this was a great addition by AJ Preller. Didn't have to give up too much. I mean, Lang certainly has a ton of potential, but really struggled last year. We know about the Potters' track record in terms of developing minor leaguers and getting them up to the major leagues on the Padres and having them succeed. So see them move on from a guy who's got a lot of potential to try and help the team now, I, I, I think is really cool. And I, I think the chances of Lang making it up to the Padres with AJ Preller still as general manager at the Padres weren't winning and making the playoffs and making runs into the playoffs over the next several years, which is when Lang was going to be ready was pretty low. So I think Preller kind of didn't really have a choice, but to move on from Lang, take advantage of his potential and to get Voight, like you mentioned, a power hitter can fill that new DH role that the Padres get uh, given the new collective bargaining agreement. I really liked it. And Bob Melvin also mentioned that he's going to platoon for Eric Hosmer as well not going to be out here and tell you that Luke Voigt's a good defensive first baseman or that he's better than Eric Hosmer, because let's just be real. They're both bad defensively, but if that can get Hosmer's left-handed bat out of the lineup against a left-handed pitcher, I think that's a massive win for the San Diego Padres. Yeah, no, it's definitely a bonus to be able to put in a right-handed hitter, a competent right-handed hitter uh, for Hosmer against the tough lefties. And that's what uh, you'll see Voight this year, uh, platooning in that, in that, uh, in that role and, and potentially giving Manny, Machi- Manny Machado or, or Tatis when he comes back a, a day off or off their feet and for them Padres to be able to utilize that role for them as well. Um, interesting. The way the lineup is kind of structured right now. Um, do you see anybody particularly stepping in in the two, three, four roles right now uh, with Tatis out? Or what, what, do you, what do you envision the top of the lineup looking like right now? Well, I mean, my hope is that Trent Grisham is the leadoff batter. I've been pretty vocal about wanting him to bat leadoff. And it, it worked for quite some time before he got injured last year and his season really fell apart. After that, I'm still not sure where I lean for the Padres lineup to go. Maybe you bat Manny Machado second, try and get him as many at-bats as possible. Uh, You could put Jake Cronenworth up near the top of the order. Maybe go left-left Machado, try and get him, or try and get those guys some right-handed pitchers because they're afraid of Machado. Or you can get that lefty to Machado because he's one of the best hitters against left-handed pitchers in all of baseball. You have Hosmer and Voigt right there in the middle of the lineup uh, along with Will Myers. I don't think the Padres lineup is that bad. 
you know, we all came in with really high expectations for this lineup last year and it failed tremendously. Not going to deny that, but new hitting coach, Michael Bedard, hopefully he's been working with these hitters. We haven't seen too much of it come to merit, uh, in, in spring training. There's obviously only been four games. They haven't gotten as many practices in as they would have liked. So uh, I think it's going to be more telling in the next week or so, or possibly even next two weeks of what roles and who could be impressing for the Padres in terms of the lineup, because we haven't seen a whole lot of the adjustments that we're hoping to be seen from some of these guys with the new hitting coach and the new coaching staff. Yeah. We'll, we'll get a sense of how Bob Melvin constructs his lineups shortly. And as the season rolls on uh, in this day and age, it just doesn't seem like there's a set lineup anymore. Like there used to be a, you know, you, you used to have, two, three, four or five hitters, and they would be set in there for 130, 150 games a year. And that would be your lineup. Uh, now it seems to be catered upon pitching and, and who's out there on the mound. And, and that's the way I guess it should be. The, the games uh, progressed and um, it'll be interesting to see how he utilizes the shortstop position. Now that Tatis is out. Uh, do you automatically just hand that to Hassan Kim um, being that the Padres are invested in him or would you throw C.J. Abrams out there uh, at the age of 21 and with very few upper minor league at-bats, do you think that he's ready to contribute at the major league level? I mean, I think we need to see more from him at the spring training level against major league arms. That That's what we need to see because mm-hmm. the one thing that you can know before a spring training game is who is likely going to be the starting pitcher. And the Padres need to be playing him and Ha-Sung Kim on most days against major league starting pitching. You know what you're going to get out of Luke Voigt. You know what you're going to get out of Hosmer, or at least you hope. You can move those guys around. Cronenworth can play first uh, to, to balance that out. And I, I think that Kim and Abram should be in the lineup on most days because those are the guys playing for that shortstop spot. And they can even play second base and prove how well they play that position. I mean, we, we saw how good Hassan Kim is defensively last year. So that that is a little bit less of the concern, but I I do think that those guys are really in an open battle because C.J. Abrams doesn't have the experience at the major league level, and it's not like Hoslin Kim has a ton either. But like you mentioned, I mean Abrams barely played at the Double A level last year before, unfortunately, breaking his leg. I mean I, I really think it's a much different conversation if Abrams was healthy last year because maybe he even cracks the major league roster towards the end of last year, but unfortunately he didn't, he's got limited double a action, no triple a action. I mean, just a reminder for Anno Tatis jr. Did not play in triple a prior to making his major league debut. So we have seen it in the last couple of years with an elite Padre shortstop prospect skipping triple a to be the opening day starter. I wouldn't rule it out. And you know what, James, you know where the Padres open up the season this year, Arizona, it is. I would love to see CJ Abrams as the starting shortstop for the San Diego Padres. And I'd be in attendance for that. That would be awesome. It really would be. And I, I really get a sense that they're leaning that way. It would take a, an epic failure of, of him uh, offensively or a number of additions to the squad in order for him not to make the team at this point. I think that um, he's going to bring a, a, an excitement to the fact to the team that, that, that the team's going to lose without Fernando Tatis Jr. And it, not that, you can compare the two. Uh, they're both exciting in different ways, but he, the speed of Abrams and just the athleticism of, of him is going to be 
something that Padre fans are definitely going to love watching it, and it's definitely going to get a lot of fans up onto their seats, up off their seats at Petco Park. So um, we'll we'll have to wait. At some point, C.J. Abrams will make his debut uh, in 2022. That you can probably be uh, assured of. That can be set in stone. Yeah, and keep in mind that these owners and general managers are no longer incentivized to try and manipulate their service time because yes. if Abrams plays well, exactly. Padres can receive additional draft picks if he makes rookie of the year voting exactly. as a prospect who is on the opening day roster. If yeah, he misses no. that, like, what was it, like 13-day window? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that Bryant. was so, so yeah, the Chris Bryant, George Springer. Yeah. It was so ridiculous. Uh, they're no, the owners no longer have the incentive or they're not as incentivized to do that, keeping them the extra year, which I think is awesome. It's one of the best parts of the CBA and it's going to make the rookie of the year race uh, continuously better. Cause I mean, we all remember the 2019 NL rookie of the year race with Pete Alonzo, Fernando Tatis Jr. Chris Paddock was in it for a while. Uh, Mike Soroka from the Braves was in there too. Brian Reynolds, who is now one of the best center fielders in baseball is in that race too. I think we're going to continue to see really high level of production rookies because they're not going to start off in the minor leagues angry, just wasting time down there. So if Abram's on the opening day roster, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the opening day roster and not the starting shortstop, that wouldn't surprise me either, but the Potters have the incentive, especially with Fernando Tatis Jr. out now for up to three months to have CJ Abrams on the opening day roster and possibly as that starting shortstop. Yeah, look for that, fans. That could very well happen. It's going to be an exciting time in San Diego for sure. Uh, Let's move on and talk about another rookie uh, that was playing some subpar defense today uh, in the game, and that's uh, Luis Camposano, who's still very shaky with the glove. Uh, We saw a pass ball uh, allowing two runners to move uh, in the game today. Uh, He dropped an easy pop-up, didn't even – really make any effort towards it, didn't call it off, uh, really a troublesome sight. Um, there are reports from several outlets about his glove and, and, and about major leaguers having issues in throwing to him. Uh, can Luis Camposano get over those issues and, and be a productive major leaguer? And, and will that be in a Padre uniform? Well, I, I think he absolutely can. The Padres haven't had problems developing catchers with the glove. Obviously, Austin Hedges is the prime example. He was more natural with the glove than all of these guys. Francisco Mejia was improving. The keyword there is improving behind the plate. So I, I don't think developing catchers has been the problem. Francisco Cervelli, you know, I don't want to say one of the best, but a, a good catcher over the last decade is now on the Padres coaching staff. Uh, Ruben Niebla has obviously worked with a ton of really good catchers in Cleveland. Roberto Perez is one of the best defensive catchers in all of baseball. Got to work with Austin Hedges the last two years in Cleveland. So I think Kipusano can develop. The problem is, is that he really has a long way to go in order to be this prospect that Padres fans have expected him to be. The bat is going to play at some point in the big leagues. Now, you and I, we, we see a little bit differently on maybe how well his bat could play in the major leagues, and we can talk about that in a little bit, but the glove is not there right now. Blake Snell was very, very adamant about that at the beginning of last season. So I, I think that he's got a long way to go. Some Potters fans think he should be the opening day starting catcher. I could not agree with that any less. And 
I I think that he's got a long way to Twitter go today. I don't think you've been on Twitter today because they, they they're not uh, asking for him to be the starting. Right. Pitcher. Well, I mean, there were a lot of people after he hit that home run in that one spring training game. They're like, Campy's ready. All this exactly. all this BS. And listen, exactly. spring training, you got to view it as a whole. You can see the good in some players. You can also see the bad in some players. When you see some of this, like you know, live scrimmages or like live at bat stuff, you can't overreact to any of that stuff. No, so. Yeah, yeah, he hit the home run. We know his bat's going to be good, but we also have heard about his defensive uh, sufficiencies, and we saw that so abundantly clear in just one inning, working with a Padres reliever who is expected to be on the Major League roster. Now, they probably didn't have a ton of time to work together, given that Garcia signed before the lockout, and then the, these players obviously weren't able to like fully work out together until the lockout ended. You know, maybe that's just an excuse, but. It was ugly because Luis Garcia is supposed to be a good reliever for the Padres. He would have got out of this inning with just one run allowed, but Luis Campusano uh, just dropped the pop fly or didn't even come close to catching the pop flies, I guess what I should say. And it, he can't be making these mistakes that cost the Padres three runs uh, in just one inning because his bat's going to get the Padres some runs. There's no denying that. But it's going to be the Austin Hedges first for Francisco Mejia debate again. Is his bat worthy enough to have up on the major league roster and consistently getting playing time behind the plate when you know how much he's going to struggle defensively? And right now, I don't think it's worth it. No, it isn't. It isn't. A catcher should have at least average defense because it, it can be demoralizing for a ball club to have pass balls or, or allow runners to steal at will like like the Rockies were doing today towards the end of this ballgame. They were pretty much running – uh, just running all over the place. And that can be demoralizing to a ball club, uh, a pitching staff, especially a veteran pitching staff with uh, Cy Young worthy players like the Padres have are just, they, they aren't going to put up with that. They, the, the pitchers will say something. They will ask for defensive help. Uh, and I mean, let's look at the Padres roster. They have four catchers on the roster right now, four, Major League catchers, if you want to consider Camposano Major League ready. Let's delve into that, the four-catcher situation. Mm -hmm. uh, who do you think the odd man out right now? Caratini seems to be the odd man out. Bob Melvin's even mentioned that Darvish will throw to other catchers this year. Is that writing on the wall for Caratini being traded or released? You tell me. I think it is, and it's important that you Darvish is able to throw to other catchers than just a Victor Caratini. It's not anything against Victor Caratini, but you know, catchers, it's a very volatile position, very easy to get hurt behind the plate. And that's also the deficiency of Austin Nola, that the health is the major concern there. There's no clear cut answer and no really clear, like anywhere near clear cut answer at catcher for the Padres. And I think the writing is on the wall that Victor Caratini might be on the outside looking in which I also think is kind of unfair because he had some good moments for the Padres last year and Jorge Alfaro has done nothing noteworthy in his major league career other than the fact that I guess he can play left field and he was a former Rangers prospect, which is, of course, just going to have AJ Prella just salivating at the fact that he can get him. That's why Nomar Mazzara is uh, currently a Padre. So I think it's Victor Caratini. I think it should be Jorge Alfaro, but... There's no way the Padres would make that trade for him. I forgot who they gave up for him uh, and then have him be on the outside. So I think it's Caratini right now, and he, he's got to try and find a way to play himself onto that major league roster, which 
is unfortunate because the Padres give up a lot in that trade. Obviously, it was more for you, Darvish, but Caratini came alongside him in that trade, and it would probably not sit as well with you, Darvish, if that happens. And there was an article written by whoever the Cubs athletic reporter is that uh, Seiya Suzuki was asking you, Darvish, about Chicago. And Darvish was like, yeah, you should go play there. When Suzuki was very heavily rumored to coming to the San Diego Padres, like that should be an instant red flag. And if the Padres then trade away or release his designated catcher who he's worked with his entire career in Chicago and then now is a San Diego Padre, I mean, that just, it can't sit well with you, Darvish, who I just inferring maybe is not happy with the situation in San Diego. Yeah, I, I, that, I don't know. That, that athletic article was a little strange. I, I don't know. I, the, the wording on it, I mean, Suzuki and Darvish are friends. So, you know, was he just relaying a message to him about the positives of Chicago and what he liked about it? Or was he recruiting him to go to the Cubs? Uh, if you ask some diehard Padre fans, they might give you the second option. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's this is a business. Um, we really don't know how serious the Padres were in, in talks with him. We, we can see all the social media posts with his entourage wearing Padre Brown and, and make these assumptions. And, and Kevin AC tweeting that all that cryptic stuff and then him not coming to the Padres. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, it, it's the business side of the game that is pretty much secretive. They're, 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 afterwards, teams don't discuss how much they were offering a player or how close they were to signing a player. They just forget it and they sweep it on the carpet and they don't talk about it again. So we'll never know. Um, it's, it is strange. It is strange. Uh, you got to question Darvish's intention, but again, if that's a good friend of his from Japan, a fellow countryman, and he wants to take care of him and he wants to provide some reassurance that Chicago is a safe place for his family and, and this and that, then, I mean, you can spin it that way as well. So it is what it is. People are going to digest that and 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 make assumptions any way they want. And we'll just have to, to see. You know, Suzuki is, is no guarantee himself. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, hopefully, um, hopefully the, the Padres didn't lose out on, on something big right there. So. Especially considering the Padres outfield scenario right now. Exactly, exactly. But again, you you mentioned the 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 salary. The it goes down to giving Tatis thirty million dollars when he could be making what seven hundred thousand this year still in in pre arbitration. Uh, that's twenty plus million dollars that it's off of your salary. The, the, the 20 million dollars to Hosmer, the 20 something million to Myers, the 7 million to Profar, the you know, what three and a half they pay. They're paying Pagan. I mean, they add up. Uh, well, this is a, a, a problem that F- Padre fans aren't used to, but you just can't keep throwing money at, at that, at a problem. It's just not going to work itself out. You have to have common sense in some regard at some point. And it seems like we're at that point right now where they cannot make any additions until they make subtractions. And and that means getting rid of Hosmer and the 60 million that's owed to him, possibly moving on from Myers and the, and the 20 million that's owed to him this year. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. 
Uh, it's still early in spring, even though we started late, there's still names out there. There's still trades that are, could be happening. Um, at this point, the, the Padres are going to make a move. I, I think that's pretty evident. Uh, Jerks and Profar or Nomar Mazzara cemented in the left field position right now. You have to figure that they're going to make some kind of move. Uh, I, I think that the bullpen might. Well, but Preller loves those guys. Former Rangers boys. He does. And he loved Ian Kinsler too, until Ian Kinsler flipped off the crowd and was hitting under 200 and finally had to be getting, getting rid of. And now he has a, a cushy job with the Padres. At some point, the reality hits uh, these general managers and these front office people, and they're going to have to make a move. I mean, Profar is a, a average major leaguer, a utility type player who not paid like one though. No, he's not. And, and we made uh, that, Abundantly clear when that contract was yes, signed. We did. This is. A, I, I said, you know, I'd give Profar two for ten, and he can come back and serve right. off the bench. And Prello's like, nah, three for twenty-one. I'm like, oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, this is a player who's who has name, name value only. A a, a player who's never hit over three hundred in his baseball career. Look it up. Look it up. His baseball numbers. He's never hit three hundred in his whole career. Minor leagues, low A, rookie ball ever. The facts are there. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, it, it's it's troubling. In some aspects, it's troubling being a Padre fan, and, and this is just part of it. Uh, but I will say that it's still one of the best times to be a fan of this franchise. There's a real sense that this is a playoff team, a team that can go deep in the playoffs and possibly win a World Series, and that is a reality. This is That's not just – an optimistic Padre fan saying that that's the reality of what's been constructed here. They've invested money. They have players that should contribute, should produce. And if that happens, something magical could happen. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. And all, all these, everything's going to come down to whether the Padres bats can get more back to what they hit in 2020. Yeah. And if this Padres rotation pitches to expectation, because I genuinely believe the Padres rotation can absolutely be the best in baseball again. For sure. I mean, look, look at the top four that, that Melvin's already uh, it's, basically named. Those guys can all have sub three ERAs. Yes, easily. And okay. So at this point, who do you think would be the fifth starter? Is it uh, Martinez? Is it, is it Gore? Is it Weathers? Uh, is it a dark horse candidate that we haven't even seen? Or is it someone they're going to bring in? Well, who do you think the fifth starter is at this point right now? I still think it's Paddock. I know people are going to disagree with me on that, but Paddock has the most major league success out of these guys, and it's not close. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. And I think all these guys are going to have really short leashes, whether it's Paddock, whether it's Martinez, who pitched extremely well in Japan. Denelson Lament is a name that we haven't even mentioned. Right. And I mean, Denelson Lament can, I guess, get to that role, but he he's very injured at this point. Like it's hard to depend on him to, to pitch several innings every five days. But out of those guys, with the exception of Denelson Lamette, I think Chris Paddock has the best major league track record of late. And I think he should be the guy that gets that fifth, that fifth spot. Now, if, if Mackenzie Gore comes out and looks exactly like how he did on the opening game of spring training, he could absolutely take that spot. I've, been just as bullish. I haven't hopped off the McKenzie Gore train. You haven't either. And I think he is a part of the Padres future as that rotation. I'm not sure Chris Paddock is, 
Uh, obviously, Mike Clevenger uh, is going to be a free agent after this year. Joe Musgrove is a free agent after this year. I mean, God willing, the Potters need to re-sign him. But uh, there are a ton of options, and that is a great problem to have. So I think Ryan Weathers probably starts a year in the bullpen uh, as one of the few left-handed pitching arms, given that Drew Pomeranz is injured. You got Tim Hill out there. Uh, hopefully, Jose Castillo can make some appearances out of there as well as he is supposedly healthy. But I, I would lead towards Paddock at the fifth spot right now. I'd say Martinez is probably the next guy up behind him. And then Gore has the chance to pass those guys, surely. Yeah, I think Paddock is, is probably a safe bet, uh, being that the other group of pitchers can probably be effective out of the bullpen. And, and I don't know if Chris Paddock can necessarily be effective. Um, that's That would be a new whole, whole new thing for him and, and something he probably wouldn't be comfortable with well. Whether you, I mean, you could put Ryan Weathers out there who's already pitched in that role and, and he could be uh, effective. Uh, Martinez could be an excellent long reliever. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Lament will probably end up in the bullpen anyways, being that his arm is about ready to fall off at any moment. Um, it, you know, they, they have depth. There's depth on this team, there's depth in the, the uh, uh, rotation. Uh, there's just some offensive woes that, that need to be sorted out. We, we need some, <laughs> some outfield help. Uh, for the squad, there there has there's some question marks on in, in shortstop on w- which direction they're going to go. But I think all in all, uh, this has the makings of a pretty decent Padre team for sure. Absolutely, I mean they could 100% be a playoff team, and all they have to do is play around 500 baseball without Fernando Tatis Jr. And people forget this team played above 500 baseball without Fernando Tatis Jr. last year. I don't know what to attribute that to, but it's just a fact if they can play anywhere near that this year. And then when he comes back, he plays somewhere near the caliber of the player that we know Fernando Tatis Jr. is obviously when you have that three month break after the off season, it, it's, it's really hard to expect MVP caliber play from Fernando Tatis Jr. He could certainly do that because he's a tremendous baseball player, uh, a generational talent. So uh, I, I'm still bullish on this team. I think they can absolutely make the playoffs and, as we saw last year, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that was fir- firmly exemplified by the fact that the Padres missed the playoffs and the Braves were World Series champions. Yeah. You gotta figure the Bob Melvin factor is gonna is gonna be play out here for this team and and keep them calm and hopefully productive down the stretch. Uh it's still a relatively young team. There's a there's a lot of young players on this on the ball club, uh, despite having a, a veteran presence. So uh he's gonna be a calming force for this team. So um, uh, I, I think, I think we're, we're all in all, we're pretty positive. Uh, there's going to, you got to figure there's got to be some moves with this team. So I, I don't think the roster that you see now is what you'll see uh, come that first game in April uh, in, in Arizona. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be really fun. Obviously the Padres track record in Arizona ever since I've, enrolled in Arizona state university has been very well documented on this podcast. It's not good, <laughs> but hopefully they can turn around under Bob Melvin instead of under Andy green and Jace Tingler. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it'll be uh it'll be fun to see this, how this season plays out, no matter what happens, even uh, without a Fernando Tatis in the beginning of the year. Um, hopefully he continues to be that quick healer that he's shown in the past and, and can make it back in, in, in around June or, or hopefully early July, which is what the early, um, 
early prediction is. Uh, Dominic, I think we're good. Anything else we need to cover? I, I think we've hit on the, the uh, relevant topics of the last week or so. Uh, we are going to try to get more regimented with this. We'll be back with the guests uh, shortly. Uh, obviously, this was a solo show between uh, with Dominic and I. Um, Dominic, we good? Anything else uh, relevant that we need to talk about? No, I mean, hopefully I'll be in spring training locker rooms very shortly. Awesome. You know, we, awesome. uh, James, I know you're trying to work on us getting access into that. I would love to be there for that. And uh, I should hopefully be doing some reporting for Oakland A's players and uh, primarily some prospects uh, as a freelancer just for while their players are here. Awesome. Good luck with that, man. It's uh, it's a definitely a learning experience for sure. Yeah. You want to take us out, James? Yeah, I think we're good to go. Uh, thank you, folks, for joining us. This is episode number 154 of the East Village Times podcast. Uh, check us out uh, on Twitter. Uh, check out our stuff, eastvillagetimes.com. Uh, you have no problem finding us. We're all over social media for sure. Uh, check out Dominic's uh, stuff. Uh, you are at uh, DM underscore Stern. Is that what it is? Or what, what is your Twitter handle? DM Stern 19. DM Stern 19. Uh, check him out for sure. He's doing a lot of stuff at Cronkite, doing a lot of different stuff for college basketball and, and just... Uh, just doing a lot of great stuff out there. So uh, thank you folks for joining us. Uh, we will be back shortly. Uh, episode number 154 is in the books. Uh, go Padres.